When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program. Welcome to the show. Vassas is here. Aloha. Sinead's here. Hello. You're here. Laura and Charlotte in Worcester. My cinch of the weekend, seeing the amazing Jurassic Live with backstage passes. It was off the chain. Is this, is it Jurassic Live or is it the dinosaurs thing? I mean, I'm sure, you know, you went, you went to see it. You know, this, uh, what's it called? Jurassic Live at the Adelphi theatre but then there's the dinosaur mm. live thing which is in stadiums or arenas which people say dinosaurs alive is that what it's called okay apparently they're well they're both good it would seem <laughs> as dinosaurs were who doesn't love a Back dinosaur come on and we're surrounded by them i said this last week so on our week off basically the twins and i discussed dinosaurs all week uh they clearly know more about dinosaurs than i am uh, than i am oh there you go <laughs> Than I do, and I am one uh, because I sort of don't. And they tell me that all birds are dinosaurs. Still, they're not. They're not dinosaurs that evolved. They looked like that when dinos- When the bigger dinosaurs were around them, they're the little dinosaurs. But for some ridiculous reason, we had a meeting and changed their name from dinosaurs to birds. They're dinosaurs. Yeah. Well, one of those dinosaurs was getting very pesky as I was cycling to work, and I did think. I thought of you, and I thought, you know, go away, dinosaur. It was, it was a pigeon and it was doing, you know, it was eating stuff. Oh, the old Pigeosaurus. Yeah, the Pigeosaurus. Okay. And I thought, go away, Pigeosaurus. I don't want to have to break. And then I did have to break because it was just not... Can you... What was the pigeon? The pigeon played chicken with a man on a bike. I wonder if chickens ever won. play pigeon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> My weekend cinch was finally starting to watch Ted Lasso. So it's Jules from Bamba Bridge. Vasa, Sinead and the fabulous team. Hello, Christophe. My cinch of the weekend was bringing my son Nathan back from Manchester Metropolitan Uni for the last time on Saturday. Oh. Laura and Charlotte and Worcester. Sorry, I've done that one already. That's Jurassic Live. Um, wrong pile. Lisa in Seaford. I'm allowed three cinches of the weekend. Well... You're not giving me a choice here, are you? I can't choose between visiting a friend in Birmingham, finding some mint twirls, three for one pounds twenty, and getting impromptu tickets to see Elton John. Amazing. Talking of tickets, Aussie Jane used hers up for the Bake Off live experience where you can go to a Bake Off experience. It's owned by the Bake Off people and you go and pretend you're on the Bake Off. Come on, Jane, come oh, and tell come us. On. And this was on Saturday. It was the last day that the tickets were bought as a present uh, were valid. So she decided to go. Where were they? Where did it happen, Jane? It happened in a big tent in London at the back of a pub. Cool. So oh, cool. Nice. And it's a proper, you didn't see the photos. I thought it was like a neighbourhood thing or your pals, but it was a 
proper experience that you buy tickets for. And the challenge was, I love the fact they're coming up with spontaneous challenges, to come up with a cake that looked like it was an ice cream melting because it's such a hot day. And pretty, I have to say, pretty good efforts, Jay. Oh, thank you very much. We were definitely not the top of the group, though, and everyone on the 10 benches were taking it super seriously, much more seriously than my partner Bobby and I were. And it was terrifying, if I'm being honest, because you had... 80 minutes to get this three-tiered cake cooked, cooled, decorated, uh, make the ice cream effect. And the stress is real. I don't know how they do it in the real bake-off tent because that was terrifying. Yeah, I mean, those Man City players, Mm. they had nothing on you, didn't they, in Istanbul on Saturday night? This is where the real pressure was. What's the fun in that? There was a fun present that somebody gifted you. Yeah, we got it 18 months ago and you're right, we did use it on the very last day possible because we'd been putting it off. But it was very much a lot of fun and you got but to stressful. take... stressful. Very stressful. More stressful than you thought it was going to be. Um, we knew it would be quite stressful but it was more <laughs> stressful. Do they, do they judge you afterwards? Yes, they judge you. Well, how did they judge you? Judge you all the way through by the sound of it. So they, they only placed first, second and third and I don't think we would have come last if they had given last place but we were pretty close. All right. But fun was had by all in the end. Yeah, absolutely. Because it was such a horrible experience. The rest of the day was just amazing. Exactly. And and we we got to eat cake and thankfully it tasted nice. Right. Did you watch the match on on Saturday night? I didn't, actually. I was re-watching you on Saturday Kitchen while Bobby was watching. Instead of the European Champions League final? (laughs) Bobby watched. There's no pressure there. There was no pressure there. I didn't think so, anyway. All right, there's some. City that never sleeps. You've heard the phrase, the city that never sleeps. This is Man City. And there's a picture of Jack Grealish holding the European Champions League trophy with Erling Haaland. And it does look like their eyes are telling the whole story there. Well, Jack Grealish, just before that, had started singing a song out of the slightly raised roof of the Man City team bus. Yeah. As they landed, they landed, they landed at half past four in the afternoon in Manchester yesterday. Have you seen their plane, by the way? The whole plane is basically liveried as Man City. I don't know if that's a permanent thing. I know that they're Man City and I know that they have more money than anyone here, but still, I was quite impressed by their plane. Thousands (laughs) of people turned up to watch them land from Istanbul and then uh, there's an open top bus parade today. City treble party after Champs League victory this is in the sun, um, front page of the sun, back page of the sun, middle pages of the sun. Foden, we top United in 99, he's saying there. Um, one giant leap for Man City kind. They're now talking about defending the treble. And I love that. I love the fact that their their mindset isn't, we've just won the treble, uh, you know, and we must play well next year. They're not talking about winning the FA Cup again next year, or the Premier League, or the European Champions League. We're def- we now have a treble to defend. What I mean, what what hope does anybody else have when they're thinking, no, Premiership will be fine. No, no. We have to defend our treble. We have to win all this again. I mean, they can win more than the treble. You can win the quadruple. You can win the quintuple, can't no you? No one's ever won the quadruple. What, they, what is the quadruple? Well, it would be the League Cup, the Carabao Cup. And what? it was Southampton, of yeah. all people, who knocked them out of the Carabao Cup in the quarterfinals, which sort of no one saw coming. The FA Cup, they won whilst conceding one goal, which was a completely dodgy, should never have been a penalty in the final. I mean, they are utterly dominant and you have to respect what Pep Guardiola is continuing to build there. I love him. Mm. What I was really impressed by in the first half was how little energy the Man City team gave to any kind of controversial decision. They just walked away. So clearly that's the thing at Man City. Don't waste your energy, even if, you know, the ref, um, you know was the only person who 
thought something happened and the rest of the world and his assistant referees and VR disagreed with him, but he still gave it against you anyway. Just walk away. And I thought, that's really interesting. Yeah. Because also into Milan, they, they, they have obviously been schooled in the fact that Man City don't engage in all that shenanigans. So they didn't do it either. And I thought, oh, that's... <laughs> so, so you've got all your energy to play football and be brilliant with. Second half was different because they got tired, so they got a little bit niggled, I suppose. What happened there? Uh, but they've been out ever since. I, they're probably still out now, I would imagine. Man I would City. hope so. Would you? They would deserve to be, you know. Come on. All right, other amazing sporting, uh, sporting feats over the weekend were included Nova, Novak Djokovic winning his 23rd Grand Slam. I watched this yesterday. I've been watching a bit of the French Open. I, I, I just, it, I like the colour of it. I know it sounds silly, but I just, it's so vibrant because it's played on clay. I just like having it on and they play in colour. I mean, I love Wimbledon. I love the tradition of all that as well. But I just like the French Open. I like where they slip and they slide around the clay. It's cool, you know. And I love the fact that the French crowd um, really give it some. Oh, yeah. You know, there's no uh, quiet... Play. Well, he, there was a few Sivu plays, but nobody took any notice. <laughs> yeah. It was great. It was really good. Mm. Um, but, of course, he then won his 23rd Grand Slam. And he, like Man City, he wants to get better. You know, it's not about conserving, you know, clinging on to what he's got. You know, they do say, don't they, to, to, to be of benefit to anyone, give all you have to give away every day, then you'll get more of it to give. And it seems to be his mentality as well. I thought it was, I thought he was brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. And he looks like he's just started pl playing the game, not from a skill point of view, but from a... From a whole demeanour point of view, he doesn't look like he's aching anywhere. He looks like he's fit as a... He looks like he's like 21, you mm. know, and he's not. How old is he? Uh, he's 35, 36, Novak he's Djokovic. Not, is he? if, you, if you're with <laughs> Novak for any normal length of time, yeah. you know, he will, you know, you'll be, you'll be chatting to him and then suddenly he's disappeared. Mm. And you're, where, where's he gone? And he's just decided to just sort of swoop into a stretch. He stretches continually all the muscles and he's, he's going to lives very, very cleanly. I remember I was in cleanly New York. Cleanly and leanly. Yeah, he was in New York once, just after he turned plant-based, and he's evangelical about living plant-based. Can we also say well played to Andy Murray, who won a tournament yesterday as well in Surbiton. Slightly less grand tournament, but his first singles tournament win on grass since he won Wimbledon in 2016. So well played, Andy. He's trying to get his ranking up. He's going to Nottingham today. He's trying to get his ranking up so that he's seeded for Wimbledon, which he thinks he can win. Right, and the other story that caught my eye uh, over the weekend was this continuing story about um, apparently Bill Murray going out with Keelis. Keelis. Keelis, sorry, I keep getting her name wrong. She tra she trained as a cordon bleu chef, mm. um, famously, well, to those who know about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But do you know what her lane was? Because, you know, you're cordon bleu chef, what kind of chef are you going to... You're going to be a pastry chef, you're going to be... Well, you know, whatever, what, what, what's your special subject? Do you know what she was training as? No. A saucier. Oh! <gasps> It's the best title job in the world. <laughs> yes. A sauce, she's specialising in sauces. That is so clever. A saucier. Because sauce makes every dish. Yeah. What do you do? I'm a saucier. Oh. Come on. I love that. How do you uh, feel? Saucier. Saucier. <laughs> yeah. We had a wonderful time, didn't we all, with the gang at Saturday Kitchen on Saturday, live on the telly. Amanda and the gang and Matt from Cactus TV, uh, Mohammed who looked after me and Josie who researched my bit and did really well and had to remind me of everything I was going to say on the TV because I'd just forgotten. <laughs> and um, we, it was just, we had a wonderful, wonderful time. Um, people here this morning, we all exchange our stories from the weekend. So how was your weekend? I, said, I don't know, I can't really remember much about it. And I suppose it's because 
you know, I set off from home at 7am to drive into London, which was the one of the best drives of my life. It was a beautiful morning, you know, roof down on the car, hardly any traffic. And for that, for the opposite of that, see the drive home, which was, talk about food hell. Oh, <laughs> it's really? Like, it's like, because you're in this bubble of like gorgeous, fun, you know, amazing food and wine on the TV and everybody's like so up for it and everybody's talking about their stuff that they're getting on with and it's really positive. And then you forget, oh, it finishes at half 11 and central London's waiting for you outside and you're you're on one side of it. So we're on the south side because Saturday Kitchen is made in Clapham, just by Clapham Common, which was rocking. Even at seven o'clock in the morning, it was rocking. The walk of shame <laughs> was meeting the, 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 walk, the dog walkers and the shufflers and the yoga, yoga mats, you know, it was... Um, it's really interesting. People coming home, um, you know, ha- having with full of stories um, yeah. still, still thinking they're completely in the middle of their night out and they weren't because the sun was more than up by then. And then you had all the people who were doing their fitness and things. And, and Clapham Common is beautiful, isn't it? But usually I haven't really seen it before. I've been through Clapham Common loads of times, but it's usually in the day. You know, you usually focus on something else. I didn't have the sort of extra bandwidth to look around, but I did on Saturday morning. And now I get why people absolutely love it. It's stunning around there, isn't it? It really is. And also you get, you get you got the mixing pot of the culture right next to the to the nature of, of, of the common. Anyway, the point is you go to Saturday Kitchen, you do your thing, and then you come out and you go, hang on a minute, this isn't where, was this three hours ago? This was like beautiful and it was different. But I clap them, come on the south side of the river, I had to get all the way across to the to the north side to get back to the M40, and so that you just hit all the traffic, you know. And if you come to London, don't come in your car, really, unless you, well, don't. No, you even if you really have to, just just park. Well, no, don't park it in the outskirts of London. Sell it. <laughs> right, so so come in your car from wherever you come, Birmingham, Scotland, Wales, wherever, um, you know, Cornwall, any, anywhere, and then come towards London. And just as the traffic starts to begin to 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 become a little bit more dense, just sell your car, and then you'll have a great a great time. And then have a lovely time in London, um, and then come out and buy another car. Um, Cinch. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Buy a car. Yeah, you just go home on the train. Chill, chill, chill out. <laughs> And then since it, uh, that was great though. It was great. So, but I suppose then we had the Henry Regatta, which was rowing all day. Not that we weren't rowing, but we were watching it. And then they keep the same course up for the dragon boat racing, which is basically all the dads and the mums that have been practicing for ages. And they've made it their sort of pub thing for the last two or three months, which was great. And all the kids are on the drum. That was good. The fair was there. That was interesting. So I took a friend of mine home on Saturday after the football. I drove her back to her. her she lives in a lodge. And she was... Kirsty. Kirsty's on the show. Kirsty Gallagher. Yeah. She's on the show. You know, she's our main lady. She's writing her fourth book at the moment. And she's having a whale of a time. She came to watch... Well, she came to hang out uh, with Tash and me and the kids. And then she watched the football. She didn't really understand the football. Um, her... Family of Man United fans, she said, oh, don't, t- don't tell anybody I've been watching the Man City game with you and cheering for Man City because they wouldn't like that. And then we were there with Magic Mike and with Steve Denyer. He was around as well and the family. And so so we had this sort of, it was a it was a really funny football night because I was with people who didn't usually watch football. I mean, the, Steve didn't know the rules, you know. I think he thinks football is a new thing. It's just been invented or like a Dragon's <laughs> Den thing. Somebody said, I'm in. Anyway, so this is going very well for a new business, isn't it? Yeah. For a startup, <laughs> there's lots of people enjoying this. Anyway, I took Kirsty home, and I was driving through um, Marlow High Street, and it was like I wouldn't like say say it was like um, a battle scene because there was no confrontation. It was like 
maybe coming home from a battle and you had you had three or four different cultures because the fair's in town as well. So you had the fair in town. So all the kids were at the fair. So you had that going on till half ten. You had the regatta. So you had the posh people in their boats and their blazers, which is right next to the fair. And for them to get back into Marlow, they've got to go through the fair. And I think regatta finished about four or five o'clock and they spent four or five hours getting through the fair and being part of the fair. And then you had all the people who go to the restaurants and the bars in Marlow anyway on a Saturday. And then you had all the people who'd been to the sports bars to watch the Man City game and they all came onto the high street at about half ten. It was mad. Cool, though. It was like joy soup. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, more like stew. <laughs> soup. Um, so you had a great time, Vassos. Yes, we had a big Friday night. Mm-hmm. And then Saturday, we were, we were thinking about you a lot because even though you weren't currently doing that, mm-hmm. we had a very sort of Chris and Natasha fire pity. And we didn't fire pit because it was too you know, hot. Yeah, too hot. Yeah. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? Oh, I wish we had now. So, so how do you know? How did you have an empathetic fire pit night when you didn't have a fire pit? <laughs> It's the same way. It's the same way oh, that, now that we song... Know, well, now we know how Chris and Tash feel, why they like fire pits so much, because we're not having one. Well, we were round... <laughs> we were in the garden for a start. Yes. We were. It was just... It was Caroline and I. It was a bottle of wine. And we were round a little sort of occasional table. Do you call them that? A little garden table that was, was round. Was it it on, could have been a fire. Was it on fire? <laughs> no, it was not. But, but, but so you, you, you thought... <laughs> the, you know, first I was, oh, now I know how why Chris <laughs> and Tash love fire pits so much. Because we're around a stool. Yeah. Well, but, yeah. We were sat at a table with <laughs> a We were outside in the garden, not watching telly, not with phones, just having a nice chat. Right. And that is, isn't that the essence of fire pit night? Or is it the fire? Because if it's the fire, then okay. We're... It's the meditative infinite flames of, of, of one of the four elements, fire, earth, air and water. Well, we had glass. Which okay. needs fire. Which is a combination. Yeah, of the, of the... exactly. Yeah, it used to be sand fire and now man-made it's glass. Process. Mm. What about you? <laughs> I just want to know how his brain works. Yeah, well, good, that's how it works. Good luck with that. <laughs> the world of science has been on it for years, so what chance do you have? Right, Succession's greatest success. What about this? Matthew McFadden, next up, is a superhero blockbuster for him. He looks very superhero-y, doesn't he? And also, you know, he looks amazing for his age. He just looks fantastic. He's almost ageless, isn't he? Um, also, he's in a thriller with Nicole Kidman because... Not only did his character inherit um, the the Logan Roy estate, but he seems to have sort of... There's a bit of that going on in his real life now, uh, which is fantastic. What about Liz Hurley? She was in here the other month, and she looked fantastic then. But look look at her here at the age of 58. Oh. She's 58 years old. There's a picture of her celebrating her 58th birthday on a beach somewhere. I mean, come Stunning. on. She's so beautiful, though, isn't she? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. 100%. I yeah. want to know what she does. I want to know what Rod Stewart does. Rod Stewart's 78. He was out every night last week partying. And he not uh, at no point did he look bleary-eyed. <laughs> he just looked like he was having a great time all the time. You know, we, and you can do that. But if you look in the eyes, you're like, oh, yeah, but, you know, you need to sleep for a couple of days now. Yeah. Not him. Not him. It's the Celtic blood, maybe. Maybe. Do your gardening, but don't dig, says B&Q. Digging your gardens is bad for the environment and unnecessary hard work, according to B&Q. Well, they must have sold all their shovels and spades mm. then. <laughs> That must be it. Must be a supply chain issue. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. 
Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Vasa, it's over to you. Our next guest has been on 8 out of 10 Cats Does Countdown so often, he clearly got a taste for rearranging letters. His debut novel, The Black Dog, is out now in paperback. So let's welcome a very cool comedy cat and start building some Kevin Bridges. Good morning, Kevin. Good morning, Chris. What an intro, Vasos. I think people were probably guessing who that was going to be. Uh, based on the 8 out of 10 Cats Does, they're probably expecting Jimmy Carroll. I think I've been on it like three times. Have you not? No, I've been on it. I just don't know if I'd been known I, I, for that. You know, I, I mean? associate you with it for some reason. Right. Maybe you, you're so good when you're on. I, I, I've actually nearly got a conundrum. I got it like two seconds after they revealed it, which only me, only I could prove. But uh, I'm quite good at the numbers game. Eh? A lot of people are very surprised. I'm the other way around. What was your conundrum that you got? Uh, Greyhound. Very so good. It was that way. As soon as and the buzzer went. What did it come out went, as? Uh, I don't know. Hunter Gira. What's an, what an anagram of Greyhound? I don't know. Put that to your listeners. But I seen, I seen it just as the. I was like, oh man. Kevin, you've written a well. blimmin' novel, mate. I know, mate. And I'm talking about almost getting conundrums. I'm a novelist, Chris. I should be taking myself more serious no, than that. No, but how crazy you've written a novel. Congratulations. Just Thank to, you. Just A, you know, think about writing one, then embark upon writing one, then actually write one, then get somebody to publish it to the extent that everybody loves it. They're calling it the, the novel of the month, aren't they? I think somebody's. Waterstones have. I will agree with that. If yeah, you Waterstones have named it the, 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 Scot- the Waterstones in Scotland have put it on its own wee stall. Yeah. Every Waterstones in Scotland you cool, walk man. in, it says Scottish Book of the Month. So Wowza. Cool. All right, so we have this book. We'll talk about it. In, well, we'll talk about it till we go off the air. Quickly about Sunday brunch. I was on Saturday Kitchen <laughs> on Saturday Live. You were on Sunday brunch on Sunday Live. We both got fed. What, how was your food? What did you get to eat? Now, here's the thing. I, can. You tell me your experience first, then I'll tell you my experience. Right, so you go on. My wife loves the show. She's like, you need to get me a Sunday brunch mug, which I got her, and it's probably it's brought the spark back into our marriage, this cup. <laughs> uh, so right away, I'm excited. Uh, I get pasta with some peas. I, again, they give it these fans. I'm just telling you what I've seen on the plate. Spaghetti with peas, amazing. <laughs> but obviously, it's something else. Uh, and then like, chicken, like a nan- nan- I'm going to say a Nando's, like, a-, a chicken leg <laughs> done with like spices and stuff. That was good. And then uh, mole. Have you heard of this? A dish called mole? Nope. It was, to me, it looked like beef. I think it was beef with rice. And, and then the guy, the head chef of Turtle Bay, the chain, which I never thought was that good. He was on and made the, the best one of the lot. So you're a convert. It was a Caribbean kind of amazing. Really, really good. So you booked a restaurant. I'm a white. So I brought my wife and my son down for this week in London. We yep. thought we'll do some touristy stuff. I've got a bit of promo for my book uh, and some gigs at night. But during the day, we could go and stand in queues and all that. So we booked a table. I would book lunch for after Sunday brunch. Uh, underestimating the volume, the sheer mass of food that you consume as a guest. So I had to say to my wife, listen, I don't know if I could even look at food. Cancelled the table. And then I got hungry last night myself and my wife uh, accompanied me to this Greek place mm-hmm. uh, that was really, we got all the kind of... All the chips, dips and all things. All the, yeah. uh, the hummus and the meze plat. Amazing, really uh, good. Yeah, you so, can't go wrong. And what's that beer called, the Greek? Methos. I think, aye, is it the green bottle? Yeah. Aye, that's the one. That's right. pronunciation. So that was you on Sunday. Yep. So on Saturday, I go to the Saturday Kitchen, and I purposefully didn't eat after midday on Friday because I wanted to eat all the food on Saturday. I know what it's like. It's like you're, you're saying. So I arrived on Saturday in Clapham, which is where they make it, 
and I was so hungry, right? And the smell, because they do it all before, because they dress rehearse. So they make everything once before the show. And then, so that's all there, ready. But you can't eat that because you won't eat on the show then. So then the crew eat some of that. Now, the thing about all the crew on Saturday Kitchen, and this, I'm not, this is not a joke, this is true. They all bring their own fork and they put it in their back <laughs> pocket, right? And so they all dive in the second you hit a VT. So what happens is the chefs make whatever dish, they make three or four or five dishes during the show. And um, because because I was the sort of uh, head guest, whatever, you, I get to eat all of the food and some of the other guests get to eat some of the food. But I get, I get offered all the food. What do you think of that? Mm, it's lovely, whatever. And it's always gorgeous, to be honest. But I forgot because I've been on it for seven years. That you get the one forkful and then they cut to a VT and then they take it away and they redress the set and they give it to the crew. I was so hungry when I left yesterday <laughs> on Saturday. A good heads up. If I'm ever booked, I will make sure I make the breakfast in the morning. Keep the I... reservation at the restaurant, Aye. man. That's what I'm saying. Anyway, you had a good time. Aye, that's like you go to a wedding and you presume it's going to be a feast and you don't have much of your breakfast and then at six o'clock we're still getting pictures taken and you end up... Speeches, snitches. Going to get a chippy and a bag of cans. Well, listen, things. well done on this book. Kevin Bridges, yes. uh, you are an accomplished comedian. Of course you are. You've sold out loads of places back to back. What was your record run at the OVO Arena? Is it 16 nights, 17 nights? So, uh, 51 times I've done it over three tours, the one in Glasgow, which is pretty cool. Nin- yeah, yeah. 19 nights was the 2018 tour. So you know you can do that, Yeah. clearly. Yeah. Did you know you could write a novel? No, no, that was a challenge. Something totally <laughs> different. Uh, again, you don't know you can write a novel because I left school at 17 embarked on a career in stand-up that has went pretty well. Right. And then when the pandemic hit, it was the first time in my life I was like, right, what am I, how am I going to spend my days? Mm-hmm. First six weeks are good. You're in the garden. The weather was good. Disposable barbecue. A few beers. <laughs> it was really nice. And then Those we first get... six weeks were beautiful, <laughs> the weren't they? The first lockdown was amazing. <laughs> yeah. We can look back and go, that was a good time. Yeah. Like, uh, More uh, like a lock-in than a lockdown. <laughs> and then we get released and then we re-offended and we get put back inside. And then the weather was horrible. And then that was the really tough yeah. one. And I thought, right, how am I going to structure my days? And uh, I used, to, I always quite enjoyed the process of writing, even stand up. I've got loads of stuff that I've, I've wrote and never performed. I've just kept it in these boxes in my house. So I went through that and I found some old short stories. And again, the hardest bit of writing a book is just getting started. It's as simple as that, just getting up the empty document, just get writing, get something on that page. So that's what I've done with these short stories. And then I've started to build off the back of those. And it gradually evolved into me creating these characters uh, that are pretty human, pretty real life. And then the story kind of unfolded. And it was, it was actually really exhilarating once I started hitting... I bought a book. Stephen King wrote this great book about the process of writing. I don't know if you've read that. Yeah, what's it called? It's, got, it's a great title. I think it's like, just On Writing, isn't it? It's called On Writing, yeah, Aye. yeah. It's I don't brilliant. know if it's a great title, is it? I, I love it. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> Stephen King, On Writing. Aye, so I bought that, and he yeah, was yeah. just saying, if you can hit a thousand words every day, make that your goal, regardless yeah, 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 of what yeah, happens. Yeah. And don't think about spelling or commas. or gra- get it just down, get man. I keep burning your kind of brain it yeah. every day. And then I just really started enjoying that. It was like a buzz. Every day. Good for you. And sometimes you'd go way past a thousand words. And I think we all agree. I think we can all agree. Tell me if I'm wrong, Sinead and Vassos. It's the most extraordinary opening four pages of a novel <laughs> any of us have ever read. You should read it on air. <laughs> yeah, should I? Okay, good. There are other ways of handing so, in my resignation. So that opening story, right, this is yeah, actually... Yeah. I, these are some what? short stories I used to write. I'm not going to quote it, don't worry. I'm not uh, worried. <laughs> <laughs> not worried about anything. Uh, so it's about, aye, it's about a guy called Rizo. 
which if you're Scottish and your name's Ryan and you're mental, there's a good chance you will be known as Rizo. So it's from his kind of point of view, his right. take on the world. Okay, but it's not about him. So so no, here we the go. Book's not w- about him, why no. don't you frame your book? So De- Declan is the first of the main characters that we meet. Tell us about Declan. Declan's in his mid twenties, his life's kinda of going nowhere. Uh but he's got dreams. Basically, I always thought, where would my life have gone if I never started stand-up comedy at 17? I left school with no qualifications. I went to a college courses, passing time. Uh, I lived in a council house or whatever. And then, luckily, I found an escape, right? But if I never found that, where would my life have gone? So I put Declan in that Situation. Right. So he's got these creative dreams, and he does attend a creative writing class on the side, which is what we're reading. Yeah. So the first four pages, we're reading his deposition at his writing class. Exactly. He's performing this short story, and he likes writing, but he doesn't like performing. No. Okay. And so, he's, he senses this isn't landing very well with the rest of no, the, the, the group. People who attend the class are proper thespians, and they're very well. They think they're they from are, that they? world. Yeah. So he, aye, they think that, but he's for the part. It, it doesn't tell any of his mates that he's got this on the side because they would slag him. Yeah, and he goes it's, to the pub, and it's a different aye, gang. And so, exactly. So, so he, li- so, so, <laughs> so it's a bit a story about having that kind of inferiority complex if you grow up right. in a working class area. And you don't want to move into the realms of the creative world because it's kind of sneered upon. So he goes back to his world. Which yep. is the pub that night. Yep. So he, he story thinks... bombs, he yep. performs the Rizo short story in front of this crowd who are horrified. And then <laughs> <it's>, <laughs> they're disgusted. It, it's toxic. And all these new words are getting thrown at him. So he leaves the class, just goes to an off-license, buys a half bottle of vodka to go and catch up with his mates who've been in the pub the whole night. So he plays catch-up. Aye, exactly. He goes in and he maybe, maybe takes over his mates and he's in a bad place. He's bad yeah. drunk, he's angry drunk. He's trying to make the night. His something. personal chemistry is all over the place. Yep, precisely. Yeah. Uh, so he goes in and ends up involved in a bit of a heated argument with local drug dealers, local gangsters, yeah. and then that escalates into something that starts to haunt his life. So he's now got these dodgy people after him, right? Uh, which he's already struggling with his own head. We spend a lot of time inside the characters' heads which I don't know if some people liked that about the book, but it was an honesty. I was trying to show where a lot of people's psyche can yeah, go. Yeah, of course, man. So, it has uh, to have depth, otherwise there's nothing to latch onto. Yep. So we see that, and then this added worry that he's a wanted man. So, and it and, culminates in this, but he needs to hit rock bottom yep. for anything to start building up again. And we always say how, but he, he then meets somebody else. Yep. Who is not similarly minded, but may come from a similar seed. Yep. What do you want to say about this other guy? So the second character is a guy from Declan's hometown who has made it. He's a big time... He started off as a writer and then he moved into acting and directing. And then he's... What was initially his escape and which inspired Declan. Declan, who read the character's autobiography and it's seen as like, he made it out of here so I can also make it out of here. And he made it all the way out. He made it all the way, but then... To Hollywood. He made it to Hollywood. So he's promoting a movie... He knows he's just taking the money. He knows he's sold out. He knows he's lost his kind of... edge. He lost his edge and he's kind of struggling with his own... I think when you chase a dream so much, other bits of your life can be neglected. So he's mid-40s and he's hit that stage that he's kind of looking at, right, I've been so consumed by this dream and... Uh, but I've lost all sight of yeah, what so is actually making me yeah. happy as a person and... And where I came from, you and, know, the, the sort of reality of my roots, as it were, real roots, like yeah. a tree in the ground, you know. Yeah. Uh, and Declan is fearless because he's not got. Well, he initially started with nothing to lose, 
as did the second character. Um, and he comes back and he smells himself, doesn't he, in, yeah. in Declan? He sees it, and I think what Declan thinks is the solution to every problem in his life is if I just make it as a writer, yeah. then everything's cool. But James Cavani, the other character, yeah. who did make it as living proof that self-acceptance is maybe the way <laughs> to happiness. Really good, and, so it's quite layered. It's something a bit deeper than you'd imagine me. Why, why, uh, I don't you, know, why do you say that about yourself? I'm a comedian. I mean, I, I left school without even having a Hang higher English. Mate. But when I, when I put myself into something, I really I go for it. So yeah, that's well, what I've done that. with this. You're, one of the, you're not so, just like a comedian at the end of a pier. You were <laughs> one of the most successful comedians of our day. Right, wow. So there's a lot that goes into that. Yeah. And you say, I did a bit of writing. I do a bit of writing with my stand-up. Stand-up's really difficult to write. And, and what a lot of people don't realise is how much stand-ups do write. Because you have to write all the time, don't you? And... In a way, you know, every every time you confront your laptop or your phone or however you write, I don't know how you write, you know, you made longhand, you know, you, you confront a sort of litany, a tapestry, a maze of novellas, and you have to A, come up with them, B, let them pass through you so they happen, and then you have to be your own detective and sort out the wheat from the chaff. And then when even when you think you've done that, you then go and do warm-up nights and the audience tell you where you're wrong and where you're right. I, I, and that's the instant feedback. You don't get, and you don't get with the, no, with the book. I, that, maybe that's why I'm underselling it. Yeah. Because you don't like the stand. Because you can't road test it. No, exactly. I've got. I'm probably going to pop in somewhere tonight. Yeah. For example, and just try out some ideas, but I will know like, instantly. Right. That. Well, because your work is marked, isn't it? It is marked. But you, again, I've done like, some of my. You could uh, some of my biggest or most known stand-up routines. The first few times I ever performed, the clocks of that routine, it probably bombed. Yeah, or, you, or it was something different and you changed it around. Or you just kind of, you tailor it a bit and go, right, the crowd probably don't see why that never worked, but that's why I'm the comedian kind of go, no, that's going to work in that, and you kind of rejig it a bit. It's a bit like Guardiola. You're trying to put a team together. You go, right, maybe I need to move him out of position. Maybe I need to tighten up a bit. So it's. But again, I, it's sort of collaborative with the audience, whereas yeah, this is very st standalone and, and lonely. Very almost. solitary. And then... I think that's why I spent so much time inside the characters' heads because that time in my life, they're your mates. I was so inside my own head, and it's stuff I would n maybe never reveal as myself. Uh, but you put them through other characters, and you go right. I almost felt at times when I a couple of times in stand up, I get a bit fed up with just the touring and stuff, and I thought I need to take control of my own career, my own decisions, keep doing it for the joy. I think that's why I've done it for so long because I, I fundamentally enjoy the process. process yeah, and yeah. but if I let it go too far and I was just accepting work for the sake of feeling you need to be seen on this show or this or whatever then I could have ended up where James Cavani ends, ends up so I let myself go right let this guy burn himself out and then <laughs> this is a whole therapy session with yourself it is, it's, 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 it's so fascinating CBT. to hear what I, find, uh, what I find amazing about your own insight into what you've written and how you've written and what you've come up with and why you've done it is the fact that usually you need to say that out loud to somebody else to figure it out how have you figured all that out yourself I would, well, somebody said if you've got kind of hang-ups or whatever's going on in your head, if you get it outside your head, mm. you can then confront it. Right. So Declan's got a mate, Doof Doof, in this, who turns out to be... He's got not he's a, he's a greenskeeper at a golf course. Right, there's nothing face value that you would envy about his life. Now we're in this generation where the Instagram kind of six-pack and the yep. me mental health or, or the books are coming up about self-help you need to eradicate every single problem in life which is it's never going to happen yeah whereas Doof Doof has embraced his problems and he's in the advice he dispenses to Declan 
it turns out in the end maybe that's who Declan should be looking up to rather than the Hollywood guy. Yeah, and so, we all need people to look up to. I mean, that's the thing, isn't it? And the more successful you become, the more difficult it is. Back to Pep Guardiola, that's why yeah. he's so good with his young team. You know, and you know, you look at him and you look, you know, he he played under Bobby Robson. You know, he he was considered still now by many to be the ultimate sort of Zen guru who changed the way. Football, football teams are managed who, who do you look up to who are your mentors do you have people that you can go and see and, and say you know what do you think about this what do you think about that I mean clearly your family but do you yeah. have other people who do what you do who you go no he's the man she's the woman whatever uh, it's, well comedy is quite a lot it's cut, quite cutthroat at the beginning, right? Because so many people try stand-up. Yeah. Especially these days. Everybody's a stand-up. Everybody's moving and trying it or whatever. But it's quite a close-knit community. You realise you've got something in common with people for so many different walks of life. I think that's what makes people say, stand-up is so left-wing and woke. But it's only... Right, that's probably true. But as a stand-up... Uh, you started stand-up at 17 and you met people for every different background possible and right away you've got that instant connection because we're both we were quite needy <laughs> for a start or we're, we want to like get these thoughts and something inside our heads wants to connect with mass audiences yeah, yeah. for a maybe it's a bit therapeutic or whatever getting that feeling of something inside your head has made this room of people laugh at the same time yeah. so it's an amazing feeling and there's people at like 17 I'd never grew up in Claybank uh outside of Glasgow, quite a working class area. And then I'm gigging with like a, a gay guy, a black m- Muslim, every single cross section of society in the car journey on the way to a gig yeah. with something in common. And the common so, narrative is exactly what? How would you put it then? The common narrative is that we're already stressed about how the gig's going to go. <laughs> and then <laughs> stress, uh, fear, uh, it's, it's, fear. The fear on the way up and then the relief slash elation on the way back or try to console whoever had a bad gig. Yeah, and also the desire to do this, none of you really knowing why. Because that's the thing, isn't it? You maybe know why, but you don't know what you really want from it in the end. So you, you know why you're getting up yeah. because right, maybe you've been told you're not very good at whatever else. Yeah, no, I've seen, I mean, I've been around comedians all my life and, you know, Comedians will talk to you and other people and their families, but when they talk to a fellow comedian, it's just, it's like a foreign language and the, you sort of look for each other at parties and things, don't you? And you yeah. you're, you're attracted like magnets towards each other. <laughs> it's true, isn't it? Aye. But probably it's the, the most depressing corner of the party, but if the five comedians or whatever all <laughs> congregate, because I don't think there's anything... And they, you talk about comedy all aye, the time, I mean. don't you? It becomes an obsession. Aye, there's it's, so many podcasts. It's so it. interesting, isn't or it? Or it probably always ends in that, we should start a podcast. So aye, there's so many... <laughs> For other comedians. There's so many people... I think a lot of comedians give too many secrets away as well about the kind of... What, what like? About the art form or whatever. What, what, like, I don't know. They, like, even the way you're talking there, I think a lot of people come to watch me or other comedians in big arenas and they probably still go, that guy's just walking up there and just talking. Yeah, yeah. And there's a bit of that, but you need to have a bit of... You need to have a backup plan. Yeah. Like, you need to have tactics. You know, if you go on and you lose a goal right away, you need to know, right? Yeah, I can get that back. Revert back to the 4-4-2. If it's going really well, you can chance a few more. And Aye, and if, if it goes on, it just goes well right yeah, away. It's so clever. If you just get a laugh about something off the cuff, then you can just ride that. But you need to have a bit of a plan for when it's not going so well. All right, listen, get back, let's get back to your book. Yep. Kevin Bridges, um, The Black Dog. Why is it called The Black Dog? There's a black dog in it, uh, is the obvious answer. Hector. Well, no, because bla- The Black Dog is also Churchill's... Churchill's Aye, yeah. so it's a play on... There's three different meanings that will reveal themselves throughout okay, the book. Okay, should we leave it then? Uh, potentially. Uh, there's a reveal at the end why it's called the it's black dog. It's a trickler dog. of black dogs. There are, uh, three? Uh, there's the meaning that you just alluded to because 
is a bit Declan suffering for kind of low moods. I don't think the word depression is ever mentioned in the book, but I think we over-label stuff. Everybody's... It's too general as well. It's yeah, too general everything's about mental health these days. Yeah. That's kind of... It's okay not to be okay, but it's also okay to be okay. Yeah. So I don't know what I moved in that kind of road, but he is clearly suffering for low self-esteem and low moods, and he's disappeared inside himself, so there's a bit of meaning. And there's also Hector the Black Dog, and then the third uh, reveal... Uh, you'll need to read the book. Okay, uh, people are texting about you because they love you, Kev. Uh, Kath, Billy and Sean in Edinburgh, we ended up in Kevin's company at the Stones gig at Murrayfield a few years ago. <laughs> what a laugh and what a gig. He bought my son a beer and pizza. Lovely guy, wishing him all the best with his book. Wow, a beer and pizza, is that right? That's... Sounds great. Beer and pizza I wonder the how, much that, how much would that have cost at a Rolling Stones gig? <laughs> 19 quid maybe if you're lucky Dale in Kingston lovely to hear Kevin this morning can't wait to read the book he mentioned he was doing live shows this week whereabouts I'd love to see him pop-ups you're doing pop-ups is that what it's called pop-ups I don't know I, are, you, I, I, are you just sneaking I, in places good, and I'm trying to stuff out I'm going to steal that uh, pop-ups I, I just I, it's unlisted I don't know where yet I'll probably just gauge the Pitch up. gauge the mood nice. I'll have a look at the kind of ideas I want to try and go where is most likely to laugh at this. So sort of... I had a very famous comedian. So once he once he'd got a, a good bit, right, um, and he'd honed it. And sometimes, you know, he was he was doing the preamble to the punchline, and then people were laughing at the preamble, but not the punchline. He said, "Oh my God, the joke's here in the preamble." He got it all right, and then he would go to different places to try that out again. So he knew he had the right bit in the right order but who was he going to play to so he'd go to a student bar he'd go to a a normal gig he'd go to an old people's residence home (laughs) seeing if this gig if this gag played to different demographics yeah that's that's a great kind of road test it's crazy I I would do something quite similar to that like I do a lot of work when I'm getting ready for a tour when it's announced and it's getting kind of critical right I need to get a show I would do a lot of warm-ups in Glasgow. The Stand Comedy Club in Glasgow, that's where I first started. That's my home gig. So I would go there. But you also, you get a lot of love off the crowd yeah, there. Yeah. So you can, but Jerry Seinfeld, a quote that I love, Seinfeld said, a good crowd helps you write and a tough crowd helps you edit. Right. That is so true, right? So at The Stand would be where I would write because I can go on and just riff. Uh, I'd do like a Sunday afternoon show and maybe just talk about something that happened on the Saturday night. And also the time of day, Sunday afternoon. It's a great There's time. There's a test, it's isn't it? It's a great it? time. Everybody's in a... They've woke up a bit hungover. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. kind of yeah. remembered they've got tickets to this. Should we just sell them? Or, oh, let's just go. And then they have a pint and they can agree. Ah, oh, this is going to be all right. Interesting. So you get that good atmosphere. Um, so they help you kind of riff. And then I'll get a couple of bits. I'll maybe scribble like, that bit was quite good. That could, and then I'll come down somewhere Monday night in like Kingston, for example. Yeah, yeah. And it's a slightly more, we've booked to see the comedy, we're here to see the comedians, and yeah. it's a bit more proper, and you really need to go, right, who's going to... Who's going, who, which one, looking at your notepad of jokes, going, who is like going to get me camp. a result here? Aye. You have to be any good, because they tell you, you're, you're in front of them. That's it. That's the difference, isn't it? It's the joy, it's the buzz. My favourite Seinfeld, it's not so much a quote, it is a quote, but I can't remember it, but it's about the fact that he only does an hour, straight hour, always, because he says the longer you're out there, um, the more that increases the chances of the audience winning, and if you're out there for long enough, they will win. <laughs> and so he just goes, does an hour, knocks it out of the park and just leaves. Wow. So again, imagine that in a football analogy. Yeah. We played well for an hour. So you <laughs> need, it's you kind later. of cheating, in it? What about the last 30 minutes, Jerry? Come on. No, there's, there's all, I've done gigs like that. You get so close, you're about to start the closing routine and you're like, this is going quite good. I'm almost home. 
Yeah. And then you just see a guy standing up in security walking over and you're like, oh my God, there's going to be a fight here. <laughs> this has happened a lot in my, my last tour. So three, three fights uh, in the Glasgow run and then in Abu Dhabi in January, a punch up as well. In Abu Dhabi? So, aye, exa- I, I, I would rather get arrested in Glasgow than Abu Dhabi. So I, I don't know what happened with their ones, but I, I don't know why people are... I think it's maybe people are... When there's a night out since COVID, people are putting so much into the night. Yeah. Like what the gigs at eight o'clock, what time should we meet? I don't know, like twelve o'clock and they just turn start booing. Too much fun. Aye, maybe. Yeah, let the fun come to you. Maybe. So Kevin, this is great. You did it, mate. You've done it, you've 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 created a novel, it's out there, and the reviews are fantastic. Um is is there another one on the horizon? Clearly people must be excited about it behind if the scenes. There's another another global pandemic. On the horizon, there will be another novel. No, I would, I would like to go, but I did enjoy the process. So I'll probably, I've got a stand-up special to record this year, right? Because I, I never recorded last year's tour, right. because every stand-up tour I've done and recorded has been in a massive venue, right, in front of twelve thousand people. And I think I would like to record one in somewhere really small, because I think it would look quite cool, yeah, on on camera. So. I've not decided where the venue is going to be yet, but I'm going to record that maybe September time and release it like November, December. All right. So I've got that, and then I've got some international dates. I think I'm going to go to Australia and New Zealand and all that Good soon. Uh, so that, and then maybe after that, I maybe sit down, get the laptop out, and see if there's another novel inside this. No, they take some writing, don't they? Inside my head, Aye. they really do. Yep. And are your family still here? They're going to stay with for the week, or Aye, we were going to try and do something touristy. We went to Hyde Park on Saturday, and we I stupidly suggested, why don't we get one of their pedalos? And in my last memory, I've been on a pedalo is in Mallorca in the nineties, and my dad going absolutely insane. So I thought, I'm not going to be that, Dad. I'm quite a calm guy. I got on. Uh, my w- my son's only 19 months. So my, right. my wife's like, So he's not doing any of the pedalling then? So you're doing the pedalling? So he gets a life jacket on. How hard is it to pedal? And my for wife's an like, well, I'll need to hold time. I can't pedal. So I'm trying to pedal myself. And I said to my wife, can you steer? And then there's nothing to steer. We're not going anywhere. There's that kind of lever. And the guy's yeah. going, OK, the steering is in the opposites. Uh, he's saying to my wife, so if you want to go right, uh, just pull it left. If you want to go left, just pull it right. That's pretty straightforward. My wife kind of looks at the guy as if she's just walked into like a quantum physics lecture at MIT, and she's like, I, I, "Do you understand?" I'm, I, I'll steer as well, so I'm steering, and I'm on the pedals. Then my son's got these fireman Sam figurines. He drops one off the side of the boat, splashes. He starts crying. I'm kind of my legs are burning. I'm like, I need, I need a break, and then we're heading towards a swan. And I was like, oh, let's just take this, <laughs> let's just take this back in, and uh, I had to pedal the whole way myself. And it's, yeah. he's crying. So I, we'll try and do something We'll try and do something nicer than that uh, right. this afternoon. Well, you have a lovely time. Nice one. Great Chris. to meet you. I likewise, Great and thanks you. for uh, having me on. You're very welcome. This book is out now. People are raving about it. Kevin Bridges, The Black Dog.